Hardcore Podcast, 185 Miles South Podcast, and the Post-America Podcast have teamed up to deliver this special episode. We dive deeply into Terror's new album, Pain into Power. We sit down with vocalist Scott Vogel, part one, hosted by the Post-America Podcast, part two, hosted by This Is Hardcore Podcast, part three, hosted by 185 Miles South Podcast. Pain into Power will be released on May 6, 2022. Sit back and enjoy. This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. This is our shit Post America Macho Black Richie Crutch Chrissy the Baboon Post America Podcast, son Download that shit, motherfucker What's up, everyone? This is a wild three-way podcast And uh, this is Zach Nelson I do 185 Miles South The podcast And uh, we also got Joe Hardcore from This Is Hardcore Podcast, and we got Richie Crutch from the Post-America Podcast, and we also got Scott Vogel from Terror. What's up, everyone? How hello, you doing, hello. Guys? Yeah, This man. is awesome. This <laughs> is so awesome. <laughs> this was going to happen the whole time. Um, Scott, why don't you jump in and tell us your idea for, uh, for doing this? You are three of my favorite people, and uh, I like all three of your podcasts, and I would have... Um, Jedi mind tricked myself onto your podcast to try to put the new terror record to get a uh, terror record to get some uh, push or whatever info promo, I guess is the right word. But I just had this thought that the three of us are uh, semi close in mindset, age, things like that. The bands we love, you know, obviously there's some differences. And I just thought this could be really interesting for us to all do this together, then separately. It's called Unity. Try it, guys. I like it. Yo, good idea. <laughs> and you guys want me to set this off? Basically, anybody listening, by the end of this podcast, we're going to break this up in three separate parts. We're going to put uh, a segment on each one of the three uh, podcasts, and we're going to we're going to take it from there. So it's going to be all over the place, but I'll just set it off. Scott, listen. I've been analyzing the record. It's it's vicious. It's a great record. You are, I think this you at at this point you're eight albums deep in into this and countless seven inches and you know whatever releases here and there. From that first one to this one, I gotta say, I, I it's hard for me to pick which one is this this newest one may be my favorite. That's that's what I'm trying to say. How do you keep it at this point the same interest, the same intensity? Like, what are you doing? Um, thank you, Richie. I know honestly too that you really liked the last one too. Love. So it. I knew we had to topple that one for you uh, personally. Um, Jesus, it's it's not easy. I mean, just to stay relevant in the hardcore scene 
you know, I think we're on 20, we're at, yeah, 20 years. Our first show was in 2002. So that alone, just trying to stay relevant with, you know, new kids, kids come, kids go, new waves, new trends, new ways of thinking. It's, it's tough, you know, but I think part of that is just being yourself, not chasing the trends, not uh, getting, you know, there's, there's highs and lows, obviously, like when we first came out, you know, we had that initial hype. And then at some time that that fades and then Keepers of the Faith was obviously another high point for us. And you you can't like let the the good times get to your head and think, you know, when when that shit fades and you kind of dip and people are a little less talking about you, you can't let that. So I, I basically it's fucking hard, but I think the bottom line is We've just kind of stayed ourselves. I mean, mm. if if you look at the sound, of course, it's changed a little bit, but just believing in ourselves and doing our thing, and uh, you know, I, I think the beauty one of the, one of the beauties of this record, and I, I agree with you. It's uh, you know, before this record, I would say lowest of the low, one with the underdogs, keepers of the faith are my favorite. And Keepers of the Faith, not even so much the music, but it, it was just had like this whole like movement behind it that was really special. Um, this one's right up there. I can't say yet for sure, but I think one of the beauty is it's just so stripped down. And you know, this isn't a knock at what anybody's doing right now, but it seems like right now, just being a straight up hardcore band just isn't the direction of a lot of things going on. So just to like 100% not veer from the path, we're hardcore. That's all we are. And I think that's part of the beauty of it. So that it might be a little bit to do with it. I don't know. It's a lot. But that that's the the first answer that came to my head. Yeah, that's a good one because it's, it, it's kind of like it, it's hard to maintain. And if we look back at all of our favorite bands, we could probably 90% of the time say, it's not the same from their their initial album till their latest. In this case, it's it being in a band myself. It's it's impressive, man. So so respect on that because your last one was my favorite terror album. Uh, it was just brutal, and I noticed again with this one, this is it's on that level, it's more speed, but less. I, I I'm saying. This is not a diss, but I think there was less interest in the production on this one than the last one. The last one had like a a bigger production where this was, like you said already yourself, it seemed stripped down and and just raw, and that that caught me right off the bat. And normally I kind of wouldn't like that, but uh, you know this it just fits the style of music perfectly. So respect on that. Thank you, thank you. You you want me to comment on that? Sure. Well, the last one, Total Retaliation, we went to Will Putney's studio. Um, My fantasy studio, by the way. (laughs) um, We, uh, you know, I think Will has a niche or uh, he just comes in with bigger sounds and does a lot of uh, more more metal or metalcore things. And that's his go-to sound, and I think it worked really good for for that record, and and I love the way it sounds. 
Um, maybe con- contrary to what you just said, the person who engineered and mixed this record is Matt Hyde, who also did Keepers of the Faith, so he kind of is a little bit in touch with Terror. But, I mean, he's done Slayer records, Deftones records, so I feel like it's not so much the production, but it's the songs and the way they're played and maybe him being smart to know to keep it, to maybe push the energy forward over making it perfect and beautiful, which, you know, it's the, I think, I think recordings are getting away from that now, but er, like mid two thousands, like everything was just perfect and big. And I think that kind of stripped away the energy and that's kind of where we went here. Yeah, I agree with that. And I noticed for a while, like every, every album coming out, like a power chord on on a guitar sounded like a piano key. Like it was like, (laughs) it was just like perfect like you you know that they're taking that wave file and 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 just copying and pasting like it, it's it's weird yeah this one this one's very good but let's see what the other fellas got to say i don't want to hog up all your time scotty <laughs> yeah scott i gotta back richie here i i actually love the last two albums i think they're two well he's just talking about the last one but i i gotta toss in the second to last one too like i think they're two of the best terror records and mm-hmm. maybe you know, the way you strip down, like the recording, we talked about that a little bit. One of the things that makes this record so special is you kind of cut the fat on it. There's only 10 songs. It's in and out. And I really think that like for modern hardcore, like 2021, 2022, the ultimate victory is can you put out a record that like someone wants to listen to the whole thing and like put it on again, you know? And I think that this album really does that. Like It's so easy to listen to. It pounds the whole way through and I want to play it twice. Right? Isn't, don't you think that's the ultimate victory? Yes. Uh, I mean, always leave them wanting more than like getting to track four and turning it off and being like bored. And people's, you know, attention attention spans are so fucking thin right now. Um, but I mean, bef- before we say anything else, uh, I've got to acknowledge that Todd Jones was so. You know, he produced this record and he was so hands on and that so many of the ideas that are on this record were his. And, uh, you know, just a couple things right off the bat, but I'm sure that his thoughts will come up a lot on this. Um, he wanted it 10 songs. He wanted it blistering, like no, I think the term he used was no groove just all out aggression the whole time. And obviously there's a couple uh, parts that do have grooves. So we veered from that uh, path, but he, he just had this vision of just pure brutality, start to finish 10 songs. Uh, I'm not sure if he said short songs, but you know, I think it was a unspoken thought that they would be just very short and blistering. And, uh, I'm trying to think what I left out, but yeah, so, so much of this stuff, uh, is attributed to Todd and his input to this fucking record. I, I listen to what these two guys say and I reiterate what they've said. This record is so fucking powerful and it's a hard thing to listen to without taking into context previous records and comparing and contrasting. 
There's el- there are elements of lowest of the low. There's huge elements of one with the underdogs and always the hard way. But I love the stripped down feeling. I love the idea, and I and I love that you said short attention span because most young bands are playing sets twelve to fifteen minutes long. This record comes in at eighteen minutes. Like you guys could get up there and play the entire record and still fit in all of your other best of songs in a fucking terror set. It's so fucking powerful. And I think that when we're talking about sonically, you know, it's impossible for a band like terror to have the discography they have and not be pushed, whether it's by record labels or by people trying like, Oh, you know, let's try this out. It was bound to be that you guys would get back to a stripped down really raw style, but it still sounds super full. So it's not like you went like, lo-fi with like garage sounding guitars it's still monstrous but i think that the elements that stick out is everything in it is pure terror um there's a lot of aggression in it but i know also especially in the the first two songs actually in the first couple songs it's a lot of powerful lyrics that are not just you know downward negative and i know obviously in the trends of today everybody's angry everybody's frustrated everybody's upset so i can see a lot of like lyrical themes that you put out there that are going to resonate deep with these kids. But, you know, it's hard to be a band that has three good records. And, I, and I've said this on multiple of my own podcasts, and you know you heard it. No matter what year you showed up into hardcore, if you're a kid who started in 2002 when the terror demo dropped, or if you didn't show up until 2018 when Total Retaliation, whatever record came out that year, that's the favorite terror record. And it's so cool to see kids tell me like, Oh dude, I, you know, I love this record. And you're like, Oh shit. You know, because there's so many eras so far of you. And I'm so happy that in this, I don't think anyone listening could say, you know, this doesn't sound like terror. No, this sounds like a stripped down and yet somehow beefed up terror all at the same time. I fucking love it. <laughs> I kind of agree with that. Hey, I just want to say to all, to all three of you, it really means the world for you guys to say that because I, respect the hell out of you and a lot of work goes into still doing this band and and it's hard sometimes so to hear that re- really makes me happy so i appreciate it very much no doubt scott listen i got a question about a certain song okay right i think it's the the second track uh unashamed yes now lyrically it's about it's about you're just like cementing your love for this thing and are you did you write it as like a response to anything because like a lot of times there's negative talk even about people who are you know they're like they're part of the community but they'll talk down on on the scene and this and that was this like a response to anything in particular and i also want to know who who's the person who says sisterhood on that track okay so um Terror, terror, uh, up until, uh, up until maybe Keepers of the Faith was still on me. What I'm getting at is that over the last couple records, I've been very open to people giving input on terror, uh, lyrics. Uh, Ben Cook from No Warning, someone that's really helped on some things. Uh, at the last, uh, not this record, but the last one, we'd have, uh, times at night where I'd say, whoever wants to help me write lyrics, we'd go in a room and help. So um, this song spawned by Todd lyrically. Mm. Um, 
I think the direction of this song is as much what you're saying is cementing your love for hardcore, but also sometimes it seems like the people in the scene are just trying to reach for something more like being just hardcore isn't good enough. There's gotta be, there's gotta be something attached to it or there's gotta be another step or it's, it's, it's gotta be veiled in something else. And anyone that knows me is knows that that's just not who I am. I'm just for better, for worse, whether it's, uh, you know, kept me in a bubble for 49 years, like the last 30 years of my life or whatever. I'm just unabashful, 100% hardcore kid. I've always been, and I'll probably always will be. And I think that's kind of what it's saying. Like, um, the lyrics are, are super cutthroat, but it's very much saying I'm completely unashamed to still be here and still be part of this. And you can go do what you want, and that's fine. And uh, I'm just going to still be here loving this. So I think that's the lyrical approach to this one. Um, now, in the end of the song, it's uh, re- the, the breakdown of the song, it repeats brotherhood, brotherhood. And we wanted to definitely give a nod. You know, obviously, always females are a part of hardcore and Warzone's my favorite band in the world. So uh, we gave a nod and throwing a sisterhood in there to Warzone and, and of course to be open to everyone that's at a fucking show. Uh, and we reached out to Crystal from Initiate, the singer, and Maddie from You're the Knife, and we had them scream that part. Beautiful. All right. I was wondering who that was. Yeah, that's a great track. And uh, just the that's line. my favorite. That's my favorite song in the record. Really? And see, that's the opening uh, question about a particular song. The conviction remains. Just love that line. Love that track. It's it's strong as fuck. And I, I figured that's what the lyrics are about, because right now it is epidemic, almost like the hardcore <laughs> stepping stone people coming in hardcore for the easy quick shows with some bodies in it but they can't wait to get the fuck out but basically Terry just said get the fuck out before you even start i like that nah richie oh, you're not gonna that. bait me tonight <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna speak the truth but be respectful to everybody else my man you're a good man you're a good man. <laughs> scott let me piggyback off the back of that question because we've talked about this record being so stripped down but that end part is so big and it's pretty wild. Like the way you decide to like chuck in a gang here. And then sometimes like, it's just your voice being really strong. And then you go to like another person yelling, what was that like in the studio? And like, how do you map out a section like that? (laughs) It was, uh, it was crazy actually. Um, (laughs) I mean, a lot of that again is Todd's brain and, uh, but I, for that part in particular, I had to fucking buy a set of um, Sharpies, like uh, colored Sharpies, like highlighters, I guess they're called. Excuse me, not Sharpies. Um, and have the lyrics printed out from myself. And uh, the guy that engineered the vocals here, uh, Jay Zubricki in Buffalo, because I those guys recorded, by the time... By the time we recorded this record, 
I had moved to Buffalo. Mo- I would say 80% of it was written while I was out there. And then the last 20, we were doing fucking band jams with me on fucking Zoom, which was interesting, but still worked. And then when it ta- came time to record, I was just literally like, I really don't want to come out there. Do you guys mind if I do it from Buffalo? And, uh, you know, I think they trust me by this point and they would, we would do zoom things where they're like on little laptops or whatever. And I'm recording vocals or what we would do is, um, you know, cause Todd's producing this. So he has to, we want his input on everything. So we would do zoom shit like that. Nick would be there for a lot of it. Nick actually flew out for, for a little bit with his dad while I was recording and then we would bounce the track and say, you know, cause zoom can be a little bit, uh, fuzzy, especially to hear something clearly. And we would bounce the track and send it to, to those guys and they would listen to it. And if there was something, then we would switch it. So all that said, what the foe oh, unashamed, the ending. Yes, it's crazy. There's like overlaps and many repeating things and doubles and gangs. And I had a map out with uh colored highlighters to keep myself and everybody on the same page so it was pretty wild was so ill (laughs) (laughs) now again like we were talking about there's times when the record literally gives you like a taste of the i would say and and i was actually bummed when you said you had this highlight at Keepers because there were so many big moments for Terror. And I know you said hype band, but it's like the demo came out, you know, uh, that really, that really put you guys in a great time when hardcore started to have a little bit of a slide. The American nightmare bridge nine stuff was on fire, but like you were talking about real hardcore at the time that wasn't adding on to something else. Wasn't metal core. wasn't trying to do something else. Terror was a flag bearer and the standard bearer for that. And then, you know, from lowest to low onward, you've had these like mini surges of energy. And I, I mean, if we're looking at you go from lowest low, I remember being at Hellfest in 2004 with one, when one with the underdogs was out, like that might've been the fucking biggest record of that summer. If you were a real hardcore kid and then right to follow up with always the hard way, I hear a lot of the first three records in this. And yet to me, it got to be hard for you guys to tap in, not just in the drum parts and the guitars, but you lyrically have been in so many fucking bands. I mean, since you were a kid, you've been in bands and writing lyrics and um, even touching on an old band's title of a song, but going into it with the 1000 lies, man, like, is it hard for you to keep writing stuff that makes it fresh for you? Like where you're not writing like, Oh wait, does this sound like another song? Like, how do you keep mindful of the past things that you've already written or spoken about on previous records, either it's terror or other bands? Uh, it's, it's pretty fucking hard because when you have, you know, there's only, only so many words in my brain that I'm uh, able to use. I don't have the biggest vocabulary in the world. And once, you know, you, you really take a word and it becomes a song that you're known for, it's kind of got to be out of your <coughs> uh, lyric bucket or your, your choices of words. 
So that starts to starts to diminish what you can do. Topics, you know, it, it's it's fucking hard. And and maybe that goes back to, you know, there's a time in a band when you're maybe a little more ego showing and it, you want it to be all about you and you don't want anyone else to have input and you would never want to say in a, an interview that someone else wrote the lyrics to the song. And I was probably like that, but this probably goes back to me opening it up and just being like, if anybody has, you know, a cool song title, an actual whole song, um, there's times when I've written lyrics thinking about another band member and certain things they were going to and pulled them aside and said, do you want to help me write this with, you know, so you have your actual words involved in this it's hard but you know I, at this point i think there there was times like the the terror record the damn the shamed that's a low point for me and i think one of the biggest reasons why is i know that i didn't have anything written i was lyric i was literally writing the words the day of or the day before I was tracking him. And that just means I was just spitting out anything that rhymed and maybe sounded kind of cool or catchy or brutal or whatever. But they had no real meaning to them. So it definitely is hard, but I mean, I know something I, I believe uh, Joe brought up, like, the 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 times we're living in lends you to think whether you want to think negatively, positively, where we're going, where we've been, the things we've done to each other. And one thing, one thing that just popped in my head right now, which is really kind of funny and, and disturbing at the same time. Um, when we were writing these songs and I was trying to get going with lyrics, I was having like a really hard time. Like I was just whatever, uh, writer's block or whatever you want to call it. I just couldn't come up with things. And I don't know why, but once in a while, I'll just for a month, turn my Instagram off. I'll just like start to feel like it's making me hate people or like I'm wasting time or why am I, you know, letting this shit get to me or whatever? And I'll turn my Instagram off for like a full month and it feels great. And then when I come back, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why, but I turn, th this is not a joke. I turned my Instagram off and I feel like I wrote like six songs in the next two weeks. Like they just started pouring out of me. Once that sickness was out of my fucking hand and phone. So I don't know exactly what that means, but that's what happened. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm glad you touched on, um, on that deeply with that. Scott, check this out. I've, uh, I've toured with you guys before, so I know the strongest live, uh, terror songs, you know, the, uh, the, the most catchy, the biggest crowd reactions, all that. What on this album, are there any tracks that you think are going to leak into that and be, be, be some of the top live tracks 
If so, which tracks you think? Okay, off the top of my head, and this is just my opinion, the first two, Pain into Power and Unashamed, I think could be really good. Um, I think Can't Help But Hate, the song that we already put out on the almighty internet, could be really good. I really like the intro, too, towards the end. I guess it's the intro. The second, the last song has a, a really kind of long intro. Uh, what am I missing? Um, uh, On the verge of violence, dude. That's catchy yeah, as hell. Yeah, it's like I the the fourth song, which uh, "On the Verge of Violence" is great, and it's super catchy. And that those lyrics. That's the best uh, lyrics of on the album, I think. If anyone wants to catch a vibe of where my head is at when I was writing this record, that's like the summary. If someone said to me, how do you sum up this record? I'd say read the lyrics to that song. Um, the fourth song. Uh, be, be, outside the Lines. Outside the Lines. Yes, Outside the Lies. lies. The Lies, no bad. Yes. Um the opening is sick on that. That's an OG terror sound. That's big OG terror sound. That's a full-blown Jordan song. He, like a a lot of this stuff, like was the the people in LA plus Todd getting together and writing. And Jordan's stuck in Canada and Linkovich is up in Maine and there's no traveling. There's no nothing. So Jordan and Chris... Um, you know, not to take anything away from Chris, but Jordan is one of our main songwriters and he's a fucking amazing songwriter. Um, but back to Chris, like the, the first riff and unashamed that's Chris. So these guys are sending songs. We'll sit in the little Nick studio and listen to them and be like, I love this one. I love this part. Let's, let's work with this one, getting feedback back and forth. When I heard that song that Jordan wrote, Outside the Lies, I was like, this is, this is like perfect. And I think Todd and Nick were, were hesitant. And I was like, let's just demo it. It's like a one-minute song. Let's just demo it. Let me go write the lyrics and the vocal pattern because I have them in my head. And uh, let's see. And I came back. Brought, laid it down close to what it is now. You know, I'm sure some things changed and both of them like, you're right. That's great. Yeah. So that, that song to me, the lyrics too are really, really cool on that one. I mean, I hate to like, I hate to big up tear so much, but from start to finish, there's not a song. There's not a part on this record that I, would change at this point. I don't want to say it's perfect, but it's, it's just what we wanted. And I'm still, you know, this was fucking done. Jesus. I feel like the, the whole thing was done and mixed maybe last July. That's a guess. Mm, Damn. So, So I've, we've been sitting on this for close to, you know, eight months. So I've, you know, by that time, usually you're like, oh, God, I'd redo this. I'd turn this up. This song is kind of boring. I wish we would have done something else. And, uh, you know, you know, once a month, I'll take a walk and listen to this, and I'll be like, damn, I, th- I think we did it right. 
Yeah, and outside the lies, the lyrics are dope in that too. I love that one. Uh, the one line: "My life, my mind, regret no time." That's that's strong. You did a good thing. You did a good thing. Thank you. I in in my head that whole section. There's like ten back to back like chants. Yeah, I wanted the whole thing gang vocals, and that's the way I, it was tracked in my head. And then Todd, as producer, was like, "It's too much, dude. It goes way too long." So now it goes like Scott Gang, Scott Gang, Scott Gang, and I, I think he was right. But in my head, that whole thing was just gonna be over the top chanting. Yeah, that's standout. That's a standout track, definitely for me too. I love the start of Outside the Lies, and also you do the same beat at the beginning. I can't help but hate. It's like that scissor beat. It's like full YOLO style, like just get buck. And I think that like that's lost a lot in modern hardcore. Like everything is so well thought out. And part of that is because, you know, people are writing songs kind of like you said, like separately, right? And they're piecing together tracks or I think this this part should be here, this part should be here. And those, those parts, they just like lend themselves to being in a room with people and like following the feeling of hardcore. And I think that when you lose that, you like lose a lot of like the the pulse of the songs. And I think it's amazing that it's just kind of here throughout the record, like on the the start of those two songs, it's just like, oh, they're getting wild. Like this rules. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you cannot accuse you guys of like not getting puck and not being like still hardcore, right? It's amazing after eight records. Because yeah. you got you gotta count the first record as an LP, right? If it doesn't fit on a seven inch, it's an LP. In my opinion, we would need Nick to verify this, but have we? Uh, there, there's a, the song "Live by the Code." I think has that beat. So there's a probably a couple times we've done that, but definitely, probably not twice on a record. And there was another song that uh, Linkovich wrote that I was in love with. It, it it had that beat. It was ultra fast, and it went into this really cool kind of. Cruel handy, no warning, like uh, like chorus that would have been really good for some sort of uh, like like memorable vocal, and it just went really fast in this cool chorus, really fast this cool chorus, and it was over. And I really wanted to use it, but I, I think someone was like, "We've already got this drum beat twice on this. Maybe a third time is going to start to make it uh, dilute it. Like, let's leave it." But I wouldn't doubt. If and when the next terror record comes, I've got that thing saved in my mental bank to bring it to the table for the next one. Now, would you call that a blast beat, or am I wrong for thinking that? I always, I always <sighs> said blast beat for that, but somebody told me that's not a blast beat. In the no, beginning we, of Can't Help But Hate, what, what would you call that? You said scissor I would, beat. I never heard that. I thing. would call it the Brotherhood Confront Speed, but that just... The bands I think of when I hear mm, that, okay, okay. I don't know what it's called. Right, because you're not doing double time. Like, you know, you would hit the hi-hat twice, and every other time you hit the hi-hat, you hit the snare. That's a normal fast beat. <clears throat> this is going hi-hat, snare, hi-hat, snare, hi-hat, snare. So you can do it, like, super fast, you know? And it it's, like, sloppy, and that's why people stay away from it. You know, kind of like the sloppier, older, fast, hardcore bands, they do it. But it's because they have to, right? They can't play a great fast beat. So it's, like, all spirit, no skill. You know, yeah, and yeah. like that's why it's so sick when a band like Terror like tucks something like that in there, because it's like it's hardcore to the bone, right? It's Vicious. like, yeah, you you can't have the uh, the skill like overpower the spirit, you know. 
I'll take the spirit over the skill any day. <laughs> hey, Scott. Yes. There's a lot to be said about your lyrical overall region. I know you were kind enough to say that you didn't have a huge vocabulary, but something I, I, I was thinking about on my drive to work today when I was listening to the record for like the millionth time going into this, there's a line in Hardest Truth, and it says self-inflicted wounds. And I and I wonder how much of this is broad brushes, just painting a song, or if there's something introspectively that you're cathartically getting out in this track. I came up with the, a, a potential title for this this record was Together Through the Hardest Truth. And the the thought with that was just kind of looking at the times we were in. This was like mid May mid insanity pandemic, George Floyd insanity sweeping the world, and it just seemed like everything was everyone was opposed to everyone everyone was just trying to tear the world and each other apart and i j- i don't know exactly where that phrase come came up from but together through the hardest truth i for a while i thought that was going to be the title of the record ultimately it was too long and it was literally t it would have been terror together through the hardest truth. It's like 10 letters T starting words. So I was like, maybe it's like, it's not destined to be that. Um, so what I'm getting at is sometimes I come up with a phrase and then it got shortened. And, and then that got used as a lyric in the first song, Pain into Power. The uh, the line after like the 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 mosh comes back in with together through the hardest truth, but I wanted to expand on that more. So track like six or seven is just called the hardest truth. What I'm getting at is a lot of times I'll come up with a phrase that I think is kind of cool. I'll write it in my phone, but then you have to turn it into something. You have to turn it into, you know, 15 lines or, or whatever it takes to write a hardcore song. And and doing what you do, well, like what I said I hated about the Damn the Shamed record, you don't want to just say together through the hardest truth, what rhymes with truth, tooth, whatever, and just build a puzzle that makes sense to somebody, but when you actually go and deliver it, it doesn't mean anything. So you have to break these things down and have meaning to them. And the, the best songs, I think the things like like lyrically shattered off uh, Keepers of the Faith is such a powerful song to me and a lot of people because I've had several people, a lot of people say how much those lyrics mean to me, to them, because it's written about a direct thing, me being a bad person and how much it hurt me and other people. Hold on. Buffalo's getting live right now. 
<laughs> and so I think you really have to, even when you come up with the phrase first, you have to make it mean something. And if it doesn't, you know, maybe, you know, sometimes too, I've had people take the lyrics I write and they, you know, there's certain people that are so into lyrics they analyze it and they get their own meaning out of it and they'll explain it to me thinking that they have it dead on and they have it completely wrong, but that's totally beautiful that they twisted it in their own way. Yo, to stay, to stay on that about hardest truth, that was, uh, that's a song that seems you went against, uh, the producer. What, what's his name? You said Todd, Todd Jones. Okay. Todd Jones. Right. Cause there, there's like in the opening, that's the one that has like a groove to it. No. That's yeah, yeah. We we there's two songs. There there's the hardest truth, and a song called. I thought uh, it was a thousand lies had some grooves. I'm always a hard way down to it. Yes, for oh that for one, sure. That, yeah. When we went, so let's say we got. It just seemed like a bounce vibe in the hardest truth. The opening, from what I can remember right now. Yes, for sure, and. Uh, a thousand lies. So we got to the point where we had all the heat that we could have. And then we have to be realistic and say, all right, we need a couple songs being two. Well, the hardest truth has no fast part. It's all just kind of like up tempo, mid tempo, but kind of pushed forward. Mm. And then, um, so we, we wrote that. We wanted one song like that, you know, like on, let's say, Age of Quarrel or Victim in Pain. There's these 90% of the record is blazing energy. But then once in a while, you'll get this one song that kind of pulls back. So we, we did decide that we wanted to do that. And at a certain point towards the end, I think A Thousand Lies was maybe the last song written that went on the record. I could be wrong. I think I said the only thing this record's missing is an intro to the song. And I probably said it as bluntly as Madball. We need some sort of Madball bounce on this. So he, uh, pretty sh almost positive Todd came up with that. And then it takes off and goes really fast, which lends itself to having the chorus break down. So that that's the song I would say, you know, we're not shy to say that Madball since day one has been one of the biggest influences on us. Um, that's the song that has the Madball vibe to it. And I think, you know, if we had four or five songs that were Madball vibe, it kind of loses its beauty. But when it comes out of the first four songs of just blazing speed, and then it goes into that Madball groove. It really is pretty, pretty refreshing or nice or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I felt like a low, like lowest of the low era vibe on that for sure. Like Joe said, and and that has that has some strong lyrics too, like uh, One Thousand Lies. I like that you kept Very thematically. You. you you tied it in. That's actually an interesting backstory to know that you tied it in, but then still came into a new song with some of the ideas. I, I like that instead of just trying to abandon a topic because it'd be used. And um, I know other lyricists that get a vibe from a line or two and build and structure an entire lyrical pattern around it. So it's kind of like a hip hop thing to come up with a line and keep it just in case. So I like that. I like right, that. Right. 
I I want to say too, like I I just want to give him all the credit in the world. I think Todd kind of had that idea to give that nod to despair. I kind of I want to say he did. Yeah, for the people that are listening, what we're talking about is the song One Thousand Lies. It's like a play on One Thousand Cries, which was uh, from Despair, Scott's older band. Exactly. Scott, I, yeah, I think that the One Thousand Lies, it sounds like a Todd song. You know, that that final riff, like the final 15 seconds is like, what the fuck? It like hurts my brain, you know? Me, it, it, like, me too. <laughs> can, I, can I interrupt you or you want me to let you? Of course. No, no, no. That was the one part of the record where I was trying to – okay, so like as we just established in the last 10 minutes of me talking, these are the two songs that aren't full-on 10 ga- foot gas to the whatever, 100% brutality. They have a little bit of groove to them. They let up a little bit. So when this ending came, I was trying to – implement something like the end of keep your mouth shut where it's like open notes and really just focusing on a big vocal break and then it drops and Todd really had the idea of having that going the going the other direction and being like we already used up our groove factor on that intro the end has to be like psychotic full-blown insanity and then with, with with the riff and then the vocals over it, it's kind of like uh, something we've never done before. And again, it's got this really complex back and forth vocal thing, and it just hits really hard. Yeah, that final riff is like a Candiria riff. <laughs> it's wild. Like it reminds me of like those memes you see where like you have the person thinking, and it shows like all the math problems in the background. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, that goes to show that I couldn't fucking play it. That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Pain into Power Triple Podcast with guest Scott Vogel. To listen to part two, go to This Is Hardcore Podcast. To listen to part three, go to 185 Miles South Podcast. Terror's new album, Pain into Power. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America Podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker! Who the fuck is this you in? This is Post America! You ain't shit, motherfucker!